0: Hello, I'm Kelly McGinley with the Equality Commission and today we're talking to Michael Holden as part of our Making It Work initiative, which aims to help more disabled people in Northern Ireland secure and retain paid employment. Why is this initiative needed, you may ask? Well, we all know that one in five people in Northern Ireland have a disability. They're a very diverse group people with a range of skills and talents, many of which are needed by our economy, and many of whom are eager to work. But too often, disabled people face barriers to employment. We know the employment rate for disabled people here in Northern Ireland is currently 37.3%, the lowest figure across all the UK regions. In England, it's 54.4%. So we have some way to go to improve things for disabled people seeking to secure and retain paid employment here in Northern Ireland. So without further ado, let's speak to Michael Holden. Can you tell us about your own experience and maybe some of the barriers that you have faced in your own career?
1: First of all, it's important to me because I'm disabled myself. And use a wheelchair all the time. I started my career in engineering uh, before I acquired a disability. So, in that respect, I'm a little more fortunate when it comes to work. But as I transitioned into using a wheelchair, the differences were very subtle but noticeable. Clients whom I had worked with for a long time suddenly started moving their business elsewhere i I, they never said directly but you could tell just from the way they talked that they questioned you know whether you had the same ability to perform your work simply because you were using a wheelchair i also found networking became really difficult especially at business events because they would pack as many business people into a room as possible Uh, which meant trying to navigate around a room was difficult. And of course, everybody was standing. Tables where you could put coffee or a drink were all for standing height. Trying to make eye-to-eye contact. There's no way if somebody wanted to have a conversation with you, there was nowhere for them to sit so that I wasn't crick-necked looking up at them all the time. And trying to spot somebody in a crowd was impossible being asked to talk somewhere and the rest of the participants are on a platform and they just stick a microphone down at floor level for me and I have at everybody else's waist height so people at the back of the room don't get the opportunity to, to talk to me. I also discovered that the agencies that help small businesses are not geared to the nuances and niches of people with a disability and the other difficulties that we face, getting into, you know, some places are still inaccessible, um, trying to find training. So with, uh, with that in mind, I decided to move on and sell my business and started to work specifically in the field of disability. So we designed and developed mobile changing facilities. And during lockdown, that became very difficult because all of the outdoor events were cancelled. So we went into research and development. And again, trying to find an agency that not that we're willing to work, but had the facilities to work with on research and development with us as a team of um, disabled actors in the business was impossible. So it took a little longer, but we worked our way through it. You know, I think disabled people are just so incredible at finding solutions because we seem to have to find them everywhere. And we've got the most creative minds. And people don't don't realise that. So we now build modular units and fixed unit changing places, bathrooms, uh, the first of which have gone online recently.
0: Fantastic. Determination sounds like key to this as well, Michael.
1: It is determined not just for myself, but for the entire team. You know, I believe that I get far more productivity, it might take a little bit of time, so I think productivity is maybe the wrong word, but I get more enthusiasm, dedication and attention to detail from a disabled employee than ever I have out of a non-disabled employee, considering my engineering business and all of the staff problems that I seem to have there that I get very, very few of now. Unbelievable.
0: Michael, you've, you've said there that, that you do have um, disabled employees and, and you, you have um, your own company. What advice would you give to other employers about recruiting disabled people? Is there some words of wisdom that, that you would have there?
1: Gosh, I think, you know, as an employer, I can get to see both sides of, a, of the same coin. And one of the things that I'm very laid back about, but which I know great with many others, is the fear of employment law and falling foul of discrimination there is so much of it and I can understand why employers do become fearful but on the other side there are so many working age people out there that uh, are disabled that just want the opportunity and wouldn't necessarily want to cause any disability issues for an employer it just takes a little bit of Trust on both sides. Um, you know, I often find, even as an employer, people are almost afraid to speak to me, not because they don't know what to say, but they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. And I always have the motto that if you say something to me, which is considered an offensive term, but there is no offense in the way it's put across or the way the question is asked, you know, it's not intended to be malicious. But it's just politically incorrect. I do not take offence, and I it just washes clean over me. And you know, after I've talked to them, I depending on who it is, I might actually say to them, you know, you have not offended me, and please understand, you have not offended me. But in certain circles, what you just asked would, would get you in trouble. So just be careful. But uh, and they appreciate that.
0: I think people would would appreciate that because if they're not aware, they would rather know so that they won't make that mistake again.
1: Yeah, but sometimes they can, you know, a person may not have been quite so lucky and they've come across somebody that's chewed their head rather than explaining. You know, I have peers in the disabled community that just go for the jugular every time and, you know, it causes barriers, which doesn't help our own situation. And sometimes you wonder whether it's worth Struggling to make life better or just getting on with things and trying to solve issues yourself. And I'm talking about work related issues and trying to develop a business because it is it, it, it is so hard and so draining. You know, it's almost easier to just to try to figure it out yourself.
0: Michael, you're saying there about developing the business. What support do you think the government should be given to businesses to help them improve the number of disabled people in employment in Northern Ireland?
1: Well, first of all, I would like to commend the access to work programme. It's good. But again, they have funding issues. And to me, getting somebody into employment where they are economically active has got to be far better than just letting them dwell, searching, constantly feeling bad about their own situation because they can't get work. So I think that could be bolstered. But for larger employers. I think considering not having to make um, national insurance contributions for their disabled employees would be something that could prove interesting or a reduction in business taxation if they pass a threshold of a certain number of people uh, with disabilities. Okay. There are a number of things. I think improvements to offering the skills programme and apprenticeships is something else that could be developed and giving colleges the toolkits to be able to make investments into apprenticeship programs so that disabled people can go into skilled work. You know, you could you, you can go to university and education and get, uh, you know, into finance or computing or you can go into retail. Yep. But just like everybody else, we're diverse. You know, somebody might want to do plumbing. They might want to be a carpenter or an electrician but skilled work and training for skilled work is non-existent it, it is so so hard to get apprenticeships in there and to get training at further education colleges where they will accept and they're geared up to accept uh, you know a varying range of disabilities and of course be able to include access to work support staff on the course with the employee.
0: Do you, do you think on on that note just in in terms of those skill sets needed for trades would you advocate a specific investment or a program to encourage more disabled people to train and and secure those trade skills?
1: I would. I mean, you know, we we want those trade skills within our own business and it's not easy to find training for them at all. I'm trying to get individual skilled labourers to come in and teach us individual uh, skill sets just so we can learn how to do a, a you know a particular job like plumbing a sink or a toilet the fixtures the fittings doing some basic wiring but of course when you get to a certain level you have to be registered you have to be qualified you have to be able to offer certification of your work And for disabled people, they simply don't have that availability, that choice, because they can't get training because it's it's simply not on offer.
0: And they don't get those accreditations that they need in order to move on in that career or to progress in that career, for want of a better term?
1: Correct, because even the work we do, I still have to get a third party to come and look at the work and sign it off for us, which is an added expense that people who can enjoy the trailing programmes don't have.
0: Michael, we know that as well as working in business, you're an entrepreneur. What advice would you give to disabled people who are thinking of setting up their own business? And what can government agencies do to support disabled
1: entrepreneurs? I think, first of all, let's start with agencies. I think they need, you know, having somebody dedicated for entrepreneurial mentorship for the disabled community. I think uh, a lot of uh, disabled people might have a a business idea that needs tweaking it in a way that is accessible Mm -hmm. um, and the government agencies don't have that kind of experience to be able to help and support them. So being able to have a network that maybe an agency uh, like Invest and I could draw upon or local enterprise agencies to say, we've got this client who has this disability, they've got this business model, we think it needs a little tweaking. Do you think you could help us deliver this for them? And I think as well, there are an awful lot of competitions out there for startups. And I think it would be a great idea if somebody like the entrepreneurial Spark and so on had a category for disabled startups, which again is lacking. I don't know how many there have been. I've been lucky enough to go through the programmes and find them extremely beneficial, but I think. You know, if they had a dedicated slot for somebody with a disability each year to be able to do a pitch. They're a great experience and they help you get across and developing your financials. You see, because, again, disabled people relate, uh, you know, go back to a business idea because they're either stuck in a job that is dead end and bores them or they can't find a job. And they're constantly thinking of a way out of the situation they're in because they don't want to be at home on benefits.
0: No, they, they want to be out working and contributing and having a chance the independence. They want to be
1: socially active. So, uh, so they never get the chance to experience the business world and the cut and thrust to learn new skills, you know, like how to read a set of accounts, how to write a business plan, the detail that needs to go into it research, customer base, all of that is missing.
0: You've given us some ideas and, and covered some some ground in a very short space of time. Just before we, we finish, is there anything else that, that you would like to add on, on the subject of disability and employment?
1: I just wish that it would feature a little more as part of the overall politic in Northern Ireland. We often get the LGBTQ Uh, the race, the sexual equality, but sometimes I still think people assume disability is a medical and it's not, it's a social issue. And if I could say anything to business leaders out there, if you could run or go somewhere to to look at the statistics of, let's just say, absenteeism among uh, disabled people working and non-disabled people you would be surprised at the outcome. And I'm talking from experience of a couple of places who have a fairly good mix of able and disabled and the commitment to work amongst disabled staff, to come to work, to participate and to do their job, outstrips. And I, you know, it's a proud thing that I wish I could, I could get across far more than I ever get the opportunity to do so I'm going to beat that drum right now and I'm not ashamed of it it's a tremendous statistic
0: on that note Michael I'd like to thank you again for your valuable contribution you have covered some very interesting issues in a very short space of time and to those of you listening to this podcast thanks for joining us to listen to Michael as our first contributor to our making it work podcast series and we hope you'll join us again soon